Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I would like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us this morning, we are so glad to have you in service with us today. We thank you for being here. And if it is your first or your second time, we invite you to stop back by our welcome area in the back of the sanctuary before you leave. We have a small token of appreciation we'd like to give you for being here today. If you're watching us online this morning, wherever you're joining us from, we welcome you as a part of this service. Pray that you're blessed by it today as well. If you would stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God, I'd like to read to you, start reading or start today in John chapter 20, verse number 24. John 20 and verse number 24. Scripture says, But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. If you're not familiar, just to give you a little bit of a context, this is all after the death, the burial, and now the resurrection of Jesus. And some of the verses prior Jesus has revealed himself, but as the verse we've just read says, Thomas was not with them when Jesus came. Verse number 25 says, The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen him, or we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except... I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. They said, we have seen him. Thomas says, unless I see him for myself, I'm not going to believe. Father, thank you for your presence we feel in this place today. Thank you for your spirit that is in this service this morning. I believe, God, that you have already ministered here today, touched hearts and lives, but I pray now that you would continue to minister through your word, that you would speak to somebody's heart today. God, I don't want to preach a sermon this morning just as a part of this service, but I want to be a conduit that you can speak through, that your word and your spirit can flow through to touch somebody's heart today. I pray that you would minister, God. I trust you. I depend upon you this morning, Lord, for your anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Perhaps if you know much about the Bible, if you know much about the disciples you have probably heard Thomas's nickname. Thomas has been has become to be known oftentimes as doubting Thomas. It is my opinion, my belief, I guess more than opinion, it is my belief that Thomas has gotten a very bad rap. I personally do not believe that the context of which Thomas has 
received his nickname is really an accurate nickname. Because in my opinion, by doubting Thomas, what is implied is he was skeptical. He was an unbeliever. But I don't really think, and by the help of the Lord, by the time I'm done here today, you will understand what I mean. Because most often, when you hear Thomas talked about, it's the verse, the second verse that we have just read that is the one that really is what he gets his his uh, nickname from. Because he said, unless I see his hands, and I see the nail prints in his hands, and unless I'm able to see the scar in his side from where the sword was thrust into his side, I, I will not believe. And so I guess if you want to take that verse and this passage by itself, I guess you could in fact label him as a doubter, as a skeptic. I I guess if you take the verses prior where the disciples, the men that he had spent time with and followed Jesus with, I, I guess in one context or in one sense you could say Thomas should have simply accepted the word of the other disciples. And I guess perhaps that's how he kind of comes up with this nickname of being doubted, doubting Thomas. But again, I personally, as you look into the life or the, the, the few places that we get a glimpse of Thomas, I think there's something else to Thomas than simply being a doubter or a skeptic. The first place that we find anything about him beyond just being mentioned that he is one of the disciples is in John chapter 11. John chapter 11 is the passage in which the story of Lazarus takes place where Lazarus, one of Jesus' friends, as the scripture says, had passed away. He was now dead and buried. And so it's in this passage where we get sort of the first exposure to something about Thomas. In in verse 14 of chapter 11, it says this, after, again, they have sent for Jesus because Thomas was sick. They've asked him, they sent word for Jesus, we need you to come. But the scripture tells us he delayed a few days because he had something else in mind that was to be done. And so, verse 14 says, Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. He had he had told them prior he's sleeping, and so now he says plainly he's dead. And then he says, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now you gotta understand. He's talking right now about Lazarus, whom he has just said is dead. They don't know at this point what the next few days hold. They don't know that Jesus is going to stand at the tomb of Lazarus and tell them, roll away the stone, and that he is going to speak to that dead man, and that dead man is going to come out of that tomb resurrected. They don't know that. What they know is Lazarus is dead. And Jesus says, we're going to go to him. 
I don't know what you get from that, but my simple understanding of that is if Lazarus is dead and we're going to go to him, we must be about to die. He didn't say we're going to go with him. We're not just going to go where he is. We're not going to the funeral. We're going to go unto him. So their frame of reference is Lazarus is dead. Jesus is saying, we're going to go unto him. And Thomas, which is called Didymus, then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go. That we may die with him. Let us also go that we may die with him. I don't know about you, but that sounds to me like somebody that is sold out. (laughs) That sounds to me like somebody that is committed to going all the way. If he was simply a doubter, my opinion is he would have responded and said, you know, you fellas head on that way. I think I'm just going to hang out here for a little while. I'll just stay here while you guys go. But not only does does Thomas say, let's go, he says it really plainly. Let's go so that we can die too. Let's, let's go so we can die too. So, so you got to understand they're all now on this journey where Jesus says Thomas, or Jesus says Lazarus is dead. Thomas has now said to the rest of them, let's go so we can die. Jesus didn't correct them. In fact, they get there and Jesus now has an interaction with one of, one of Lazarus' sisters who's talking about resurrection and she says, yeah, I know that at one day he'll rise again and Jesus doesn't correct her at that moment. Which only seems like it would solidify in Thomas' mind and the rest of them, we really are about to die. And then as the story finally unfolds, And he says, roll away the stone. And then he says, Lazarus, come forth. And out of that tomb comes Lazarus, resurrected. I kind of imagine, I just kind of imagine, there was probably on behalf of Thomas and the other guys a... This is not quite what we thought we were getting ourselves into, but we'll take it. We were, we were prepared to go. We were prepared to die. Adam Clark says of this 
of this statement of Thomas's, it says, it paraphrases it this way, seeing we cannot dissuade our Lord from going and his death is likely to be the inevitable consequence, let us give him the fullest proof we can of our love by going and suffering death with him. That sounds like a man of faith to me. A man of trust who, I don't understand this. I'm not really sure this is what I got myself into, but I trust him. I believe him. And so if that's where he's going, that's where I will go. That's what I will be a part of, even if I think I am walking to my death. I would imagine there had to have been some sense of relief and joy, not only for Lazarus' resurrection, but for their own selves that it's not quite over yet. This isn't the end. There is, there is, and I want to segue perhaps for a moment to just give a little bit of foundation and context to where we will come back to with Thomas. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 13, the scripture says, when Jesus was come into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I the son of man am? Who have you heard people say that I am? What is it that you have heard about me? I could ask the same question here today. And if I would take the time and be more like a classroom setting and you could respond we could hear similar to what the disciples respond, and I would hear you tell me what you have heard people have said about him. They said, some say you are John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. The important thing to notice is they knew what others were saying. And in fact, what Jesus wanted to establish was for them to express what they had heard others were saying. And so they say, this one says Elias, this one says Jeremiah, this one says one of the prophets. That, that's what the, that's what the, uh, that's what the, the popular opinion is. That's what, the, that's what the news is saying. That's what we're seeing on social media. That's what we're hearing about you. But then he asks the second question. He saith unto them, but, but, whom say ye that I am? Now that we have established you know what everyone is saying, what I really want to hear is, 
Based on what you know everyone is saying, what do you say that I am? Have you gone beyond the influence of opinion? Have you gotten beyond simply what the crowd is saying? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. It was a confident declaration of who he was. Yeah, we know what everybody's saying. We know what everybody thinks, but we've gone beyond the influence of opinion and we know who you are. At some point, every individual's got to get beyond what the crowd says and what the media says and what people say, what friends and critics say. And you've got to get to the point where it doesn't matter what anybody else says. I know who he is. For the unbeliever, he is challenged and tossed about by what they say. But to the believer, like Peter, was able to boldly declare, I know who you are. I'm sorry, but the atheist has come a little bit too late to tell me there is no God. The, The skeptic has come a little bit too late to tell me that there is no God. The doubter has come a little bit too late to tell me that God is not real because I have experienced for myself and now I know Who he is. I know. I like what Peter said. Peter did not say, well, we think. We suppose. He said, you are. I think he was saying, without a doubt, without a question, you are the son of of the living God. Acts chapter 17, used these verses a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday morning, but Acts 17 verse 22, Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, you men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For I passed by and behold your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him I declare unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth and dwelleth not in temples made with hands. You see, when Paul stood there on Mars Hill and he looks around and he sees all of these, these altars that have been built to various gods, he sees in fact one to the unknown God. Meaning there seemed to be an understanding that they had that in the midst of all of our gods there's one that we're just not so sure about we don't really know about him we kind of know he's there 
We're willing to create an altar for Him. But that's about all we can do is acknowledge the, I'm assuming the translation is accurate, the King James says, not to a, not to an unknown God, but the inscription was to the, to the unknown God. Big G God. Big G God. Read your Bible. You'll find throughout the Bible there are little G-gods. Little G-gods are man's gods. Big G-gods is the God. And so it says, we, Paul says, I see an altar with an inscription to the unknown God. And so I want to declare him to you today. Go back to the question Jesus asked the disciples on the way into Caesarea Philippi. What he was, what they were acknowledging was people, people have an idea that there's a God. People believe that there's a God. When Paul stood there in the midst of those at Mars Hill, he was acknowledging that they recognized there was a God. We may not know, really know that God. We may not really understand that God, but we are willing to acknowledge the unknown God. But let's go back to Thomas and where we find him in the verses where we began reading today, but as that story unfolds, chapter 20, verse 26 in the book of John, and after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. I believe that since Jesus was God, that no one went and told him what Thomas said. I realize I probably can't prove that any more than you could prove they told him. But I believe, it is my belief, that Peter didn't run to Jesus and say, Jesus, we, 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 we talked to Thomas, and Thomas said unless he sees for himself, he's not going to believe. I don't think that's what happened. I think what happened was Jesus, God manifested in the flesh, knew exactly what Thomas said. And and, and this isn't my message this morning. This isn't really where I think we're going. But let me just pause to point out to you how awesome it is that God is willing to meet you where you are. Because the response 
could have been. You know what, Thomas? You think you got to see and believe. Well, I'm just, if I've got to do that to prove to you, then too bad. No, he shows up to Thomas having known what Thomas said he needed and said, if this is what you need, I'm willing to give you what you need. Here's the, here's the scars in my hand and I'm willing to show you the, hand, the scar in my side. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't have to, I don't have to do all of that myself and get everything right for him to meet me. Nicodemus, Nicodemus sent a word, sent, sent a message to Jesus because he was curious about who Jesus was, but he really wasn't willing to be publicly identified with him because of what it would cost him. The Bible says that Jesus met him, that Nicodemus met him at night. You know what? I think Jesus could have responded, whoever the messenger was, and said, you know what? You go back and tell Nicodemus. If he wants to know something about me, if he's interested in me, meet me at the middle of town in the middle of the day. But he was willing to meet Nicodemus where Nicodemus was. What you find out is eventually by the time it's all over with, Nicodemus reaches the point where what he basically says was, you know what, I'm not hiding anymore because I now know and I believe who he is and whatever it costs me, it'll have to cost me. But I now believe that he really is the one. Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and before and be not faithless but believing. And, and, and I'm not going to read it. I, I'm going to, in just a moment, I'm going to read the next verse. And that's where I'm going to stop in this passage. But it's the following verse where Jesus then says, you, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who don't see and believe. I don't think that either was intended to be a, a, a degrading of Thomas. I don't think that really was intended to be an insult. That's what it's always said as. That's how it's always used. I guess I'm in the minority and that, I may be wrong, but I don't think it was necessarily he was intending to insult. Why would he have done what he did and then turn around and insult him? I think he was just making a statement to say, you know what, there are those that aren't going to be able to see but believe they're blessed. But just because you've said you need to see something... I'm not judging you for that. I'm not condemning you for that. I'm going to give you what you need. So back to verse 28. And Thomas answered and said unto him. There is a word that's repeated twice. That I wish somehow I could really get across what I think the significance of this word is in this verse. He says, My Lord and my God. Some say you're Elias. Some say you're Jeremiah. 
Some say you're John the Baptist, one of the prophets. There's those, and I realize the book of Acts was after this, but let me use the principle of what Paul addressed on Mars Hill. Others acknowledge there's a God. In fact, with Jesus, there were multitudes at various times that had come and sat and listened to what he had to say and heard all of the wonderful teaching, but they went back to their lives, back to their ways, and there was no relationship that was established with Jesus. But Thomas was not like all of them because Thomas had come to a place to believe who he was. That's why he was willing to say, if we're going there to die, I'll go because I believe in who you are and I believe in what you are and so I believe that when Thomas says unless I see for myself I won't believe I think what Thomas was communicating was I had fully invested myself in believing who he was and it just didn't quite go the way I had hoped and so I'm not sure I can get my hopes up again I was willing to go to die. I was willing to ride the emotional roller coaster of if we're going there to die, I'll go there to die. And then all of that changed. And now, but now once again, I've lost him. I was willing to die with him, but now I've lost him. And I just don't know if I can handle the emotional roller coaster of somebody telling me he's alive and he's risen. And so unless I see for myself, Because it's my Lord and my God. One of the most famous passages in all of Scripture, famous chapters in all of Scripture, the 23rd Psalm, David, who was a shepherd himself and understood what a real shepherd was all about, writes this psalm. And I want you to notice Psalm 23 and verse number 1. I want you to notice what it doesn't say. It does not say, the Lord is a shepherd. It doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd. The psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. It's one thing to know he's a shepherd. It's one thing to know he's the Lord and the God. It's a whole different thing to know he's my. How many fathers do we have here today? Have your father raise your hand. For me, all of you are a father. You are a father. You're a father. No argument, you're a father. But there's a man who is a father, who is not just a father to me. He is my father. There is a world of difference between a father, my 
father. I may be a father today. I don't know where my eldest is right now. I saw him earlier taking pictures. I don't know where he went. I got a text from him upstairs. I was downstairs. Yes, we out of laziness text in our house sometimes. Are you wearing black or blue today? My response was, I'm wearing brown. Okay, great. That means, and I haven't noticed yet, I haven't seen, that means there is something that he has on from my closet. No, there's no good chance. It's a guarantee. I, I, I forget what it was recently. I, actually, I think if I'm not mistaken, it was the, it was the day we did the first responders appreciation service. I go in my closet. I got, I, I'm getting dressed. I'm already just, my nerves are already crazy because that kind of thing just, you know, I, I want us to do a great job. I want it to go well. And I open my closet door and I go to reach for my black belt and it's not there. I kind of quickly realized I have a feeling I know where it is. And so I, I texted him to find out. And of course, oh, well, I didn't think. What do you mean you didn't think? How would you even know what to think I was wearing? There he is. What do you got on for my closet today? My belt. There it I knew it was something. Thank you. He, now in the moment, I got to tell you, in the moment, I was pretty frustrated because I needed my belt, my nerves were whatever, I, just, I needed my belt. But, but once, once all of the emotion of the moment settles down, there's something deep inside of me, Brother Whaley, that feels really good about that. That my son has a level of comfort to walk into my closet and just take what he wants. Because for him, I'm not just a father. I, I, I got, I got keys sitting up on that table right now that, that there's, there's several individuals in this room right now that if they felt like they had a need to get in my office, there would be no permission asked, Dad, can I use your key? I have a, I have a charger. See, once all the dust settles, I feel really good about it. But I have some emotions I have to work through first. I have a charger for my iPhone and my iPad that sits by my desk in my office here at the church only numerous times to come and go to reach down to plug something in and it's gone. And I know somebody did not break into my office to only steal a charger. But somebody knew that I was not a father. But for them, I was their father. There are thousands, perhaps millions, really probably of people around the world today, some that will go to church, others that won't even go to church, but still in their hearts believe 
there is a God. There is a God. Some may not refer to him as a God. They may just, they may, it may be a higher power. It may, or some other terminology. They believe, but really like those on Mars Hill. It's an altar that's set up in recognition. But Thomas was so distraught because I can't handle the fact of being disappointed again because I've gone beyond just believing that you're a Lord. You're a God. I now know you are my Lord and my God. And the psalmist says the Lord is my shepherd. He can be your shepherd too if you want him to, but I just got to tell you, he's my shepherd. If you want him to be yours too, he can be yours too, but he's not going to stop being mine because he is my shepherd. He is not just a shepherd today, but the Lord is my shepherd. Can I challenge every person in this place today, whether guest or faithful member, to get beyond the point of just acknowledging there is a God, or like some that the disciples repeated, that he may be one of the prophets, or he may be a good teacher, he's a really good man, and get beyond even accepting that he is a Messiah, but get to the point that where you know he is my Messiah, he is my Lord, and he is my God. Oh, how sadly it is that so many people never come to the point of knowing my Lord and my God. Hebrews 4 and verse 14 says this, Seeing then, We have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we were, we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I have a God who is not disconnected and afar off watching me somewhere from some throne thousands of miles away. But I have a high priest who is touched by the feelings of my infirmity. He knows my struggles. He knows my weaknesses. He knows the difficulties that I face. He knows the challenges that I go through. I I, I saw a, a clip. I think it was on Facebook. I really hesitate to bring up such a simple point because of some of the sensitive feelings that so many have, but for the sake of a point, please. There was a clip of President Trump's youngest son standing behind, I think, what was during President Trump signing some kind of important piece of paper (laughs) and standing behind him was his 10 I think 10 year old son 
playing peekaboo with his cousin. Everybody else standing around were very dignified and orderly. But for, I think his name was Baron, I think. For Baron Trump, first and foremost, the guy sitting in that chair was not the President of the United States to him. That was his father. And because of that, he was comfortable to be caught up in something that was so frivolous, if you will, in such an important moment because that's my father. Oh, I, I, I hope today that somebody can leave this place and rather than you believing that God is a father, rather than you believing that God is a savior, rather than you believing that God is is just that you believe he's real. That you would be able to reach the point like Thomas to be able to say, my Lord and my God. Not a Lord and a God. Not a shepherd. Not just a healer. Not just a deliverer, not just a provider, not just a savior, but that you would be able to leave this place and with all of those things be able to say, he is mine. He's mine. That I'm not going to want. I'm not going to do without because the Lord is my. He's my shepherd. I'm going to have everything I need because he's my father. I know... I believe that probably every individual in this place this morning believes that there is a God, believes that He is a Savior, believes that He exists. But I wonder how many of us this morning can say the same thing that Thomas said, He is mine. I, I, I'm, I'm 45 years old. My parents came to this town before I was born to start this church. I have, I had four grandparents that were all apostolics. I have my last living grandparent, my grandmother, sitting here today. All both of my parents, all four of my grandparents, preachers. I guess from a natural standpoint, you'd look at me and say, well, I guess what else did you expect for you to become? I had great-grandparents. I had a great-grandfather that was a preacher. I had a great-grandmother who 
Pentecost's house was used to start a Pentecostal church in northwest Florida. If anybody, if there's anybody in the world that I know and believe knows how to pray, it's my grandmother. She asked me, I don't think it was, I think it was a year or so ago, I got a call from her. She was not feeling well and she asked me to come by and pray for her. I don't think I've, honestly, I don't think I've ever been more intimidated in my life to go pray for someone. It's one thing to pray for people that you have an idea they probably don't pray much. But when you know somebody already has a connection, they've all, and they stay connected. And I'm gonna try. <laughs> we used to have a school. The days we had that school, there was a, this was all, this floor you're sitting on right now was not here. This was all an open sanctuary. There was a period of time during then that my grandmother worked here at the church for taking care of, she did the preschool. And I can remember, Brother Sonny, some days during the school day, we'd be going about our day as students in the school, and we'd pass by in the foyer, which is no longer there, and I could hear coming from that sanctuary the sound of my grandmother's voice as she was talking to God. I got two parents that I know. I got a mother that I know knows how to pray. I'm not here today, Brother Matt, because my grandmother had a God. I'm not here today because my parents have a God. I'm not here today because I got great-grandparents that had a God. I can't take you to the point when I know it happened. It was more something that I think took place over a matter of time. But at some point, the one that was a God to them somehow became my God. And so I don't do what I do and I'm not here today because there's a God, but I am here because my Lord and my God. I want you to stand if you would, please. I don't know who you are today. I'll say it again. Maybe you're guests. Maybe you come regularly. But I, I just feel strongly that the Holy Ghost is here. That God is in this place today. And for somebody, He wants it to change from Him being a God, a Lord, a Savior, to Him being your God. And if you would, just close your eyes for a moment right where you are. If nothing else, just simply out of respect for those that are around you. I think the very fact that you're in this place today, my opinion, demonstrates that there is some kind of belief that you have that there's a God. The fact you've taken time out of your Sunday to come sit in the service, 
means that you've got some level of confidence that God exists. But I wonder if there's somebody this morning that you need to go beyond simply believing there is a God and believing that He exists and believing that He's real to the point of be- not just believing but experiencing and knowing He is my God. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you would acknowledge that by chance that's you this morning, if you would acknowledge that that's what you need, I, I think there's probably even some folks here that you're already... You're a faithful member. You come regularly, but... And while you believe He's the God, while you believe He's the Savior, while you believe He's the Lord, while you believe He's the Father, you still haven't totally transitioned to knowing and believing that He is yours. He is my Father. If that's by chance you this morning and you'd be willing as a way of demonstrating your desire, whether guest or member, you would just simply step out of your seat right now. Make your way down to the front of this sanctuary as a way of demonstrating first and foremost to the Lord. I want you, God, to be my God. I want you to be my Father. I want you to be my Lord. Not just a God, not just a Savior, not just a Shepherd, but I want you to be mine. Again, eyes closed if you would. I I really believe I'm talking to somebody right now that again... You're not a guest. You come, but you haven't quite made that transition that He is mine. And I believe that before you leave this place today, He wants you to leave with the confidence of knowing you are my God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you're, if you're a guest this morning, first time, several times, if you're feeling what I'm talking about and you're a little nervous about coming, I think if you'd look at the person beside you that's sitting there and just ask them, I think they'd be more than willing to join you at this altar. They'd be willing to accompany you to say, God, I want you to be my God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, church, if you would, please be sensitive and responsive to the Spirit right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, today, I want you, God, to help somebody go beyond just the faith that you exist, beyond just the belief that you are, and go to the knowledge that you're mine to the knowledge that you belong to me God to the knowledge that you are not a high priest that is far off and 
disconnected from me, but you are a God that is very near. You are a God that is very near. Help us today, Jesus. Help us today, Jesus. Help somebody today like Thomas to not just believe in the existence, but to believe in the personal revelation and knowledge that you, you are mine. You are mine. In the name of Jesus, again, church, I ask you, please be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, let the Lord lead some of you, if you would. In Jesus' name. My Lord, my God. My Lord, my God. I thank you for being the God of others. I thank you for being the Savior of others. I thank you for being the Lord of others. But I want to thank you most for being mine. I want to thank you for being mine. I want to thank you that you belong to me and I belong to you. Thank you, Jesus. I pray, God, that you would bring us into the full experience not just head knowledge, but the experience, God, of knowing you as our Father, as our Lord, as our Savior, as our friend, as our healer, as our deliverer, as the one that sticks closer than a brother. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your spirit today, God. By the power of your spirit today, God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray, Father, that like you did with Thomas, you would meet someone today at the level of their need, at the level of their faith, at the same way you did not scold or judge Thomas that you would today meet someone right where they are, provide what they have need of today, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. Please be mindful of those around you that may still be praying. Again, if you're a guest, first time or second time, we invite you to stop by our welcome area in the back. Oh, come in to Come in to my heart, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart.
Come into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today. Come in to stay. Come in to my heart, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. 